At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 265 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason Linden? I am fabulous, as I always am. How are you tonight, Chadwick? Oh, about the same, about the same. The Reds are uh, the Reds. I think that's a yeah. pretty good description of them. They're just continuing to do uh, Redsy things. Except for one thing. They have yes. the, they've got the National League Pitcher of the Month. They do. Yeah, I told you I, I was afraid that I was going to forget to say that and for you to remind me. And so Jumped I, it right, jumped right in there. With. I said, let's just lead with this because when's the last time the Reds had the pitcher of the month? I really don't know. I assume Cueto probably got it once or twice, but. As usual on the Red Leg Nation radio podcast, you're wrong. Oh, well, there you go. But I don't know the answer either because I, I didn't look it up myself, but I saw two different reports. One said the last one was Denny Nagel. The immortal oh. Denny Nagel. Uh-huh. And another one said it was uh, Kent Merker. Wow, so Cueto never won it? Can you believe that? That seems impossible. Like, Because, I mean, I get him not ever winning the Cy Young, but it's hard for me to believe that he was never like so much better than everybody else for a month. They were like, yeah, yeah, we got to give this to him. Well, yeah, because he was one of the elite pitchers in baseball during his yeah. time. You would think he'd stumble into one of those. Yeah. Uh, why would, I don't understand this, maybe you can tell me, why would Luis Castillo have won Pitcher of the Month in the National League? Um, it has, I think it has largely to do with three numbers, and I will now read them to you in order. Are you ready? Yes, you have three numbers, and then I have three letters, so we'll... Here are my three numbers. Okay. One, four, five. ERA. That's his ERA. Yes. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. By both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference, he's been the best pitcher in baseball. Wow. Yeah. That's that's like good. It's really good. Right, you said you had three numbers there, and you gave me three numbers. Yep. I've got three letters for you. Lay them on me. A-C-E. Yes, he is. Oh, my goodness. It's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> And really, I mean, we you know we mentioned this before, but really, except for April of last year, he has been since they called him up, and he's just like taking it up a notch this year so far. And it is a delight. It really is. I mean, he's just absolutely uh, nothing, nothing at all to be uh, disappointed in. His ten point three eight strikeouts per nine innings. Um, his his walks are you know not up but not down either. I mean, they're maybe a touch higher than what we've seen before, but he's not giving up home runs. He's, uh, you know, he is uh, forcing ground balls at uh, one of the highest rates of his career. So, I mean, you're just a, and he's, keep, he's keeping guys off base and uh, keeping them from scoring. He's just a, he's the very definition of an ace right now. And, you know, we talked about it some last week, so we won't belabor that point uh, anymore, except to say that, yay, Luis Castillo. There's, there's three letters, yay. 
Yeah. <laughs> so just We're, just speaking to Reds pitching in general, can I just can I just drop a fun number? Yes, I love fun numbers. A few fun numbers, and this does not include today, where despite the Reds' failure to win, they they still pitched very well. Um, so not including today, the Reds, according to Fangraphs, lead all of baseball in pitching wins above replacement. They currently have. Um, 5.2 wins above replacement from their pitchers, according to Fangraphs. This is only 3.1 wins above replacement away from their total for all of last year, and only 0.9 away from their total for all of 2017. So, you know, things are going just like we thought they would. (laughs) Yeah, and and, and not. Everyone thought that the Reds would have the best pitching in the league in the month of April, please stand up. And you will note that all of the chairs in the room are still occupied. Hey, you like how I dropped a knot on you as if it were 1995? I did. I appreciate yeah. that very much. And I like, I appreciate when you show off the fact that you are even older than I am. <laughs> a tiny bit. No, you know, it's amazing, really. We talk about the pitching, and, uh, you know, as we are going to talk about in a moment, the pitching has been not been what we expected, but neither is the offense. We'll get into that. Uh, but in terms of the pitching, if there's any bigger reason to be optimistic and excited about what we're seeing here, it's just the fact that across the board at this point, the pitching staff has been outstanding. You know, Anthony Scafani has come back in his last couple starts. We talked before, and that was the one guy that was kind of scuffling a little bit, and we thought, oh, no, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's come back now in six games. His ERA is down to 3.48. He, uh, you know, uh, n- not walking that many batters, striking out a bunch. Uh, Tyler Malley. Pitch today, five innings, one run ball. You know, his ERA for the season is 4.09. And so, you know, he struggled his last time out, but this time uh, sort of came back. And he's every, he, not not walking, guys. He, you know, starting I mean, pitcher, every red starting pitcher has both an ERA and a fielding independent pitching, an FIP, that is below the league average. And that is amazing. And if you look at ERA Plus, which is an adjusted ERA to adjust for uh, league and for ballpark, after today's performance wow. by Mally, all of them are above average in ERA Plus. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, we're, we start off talking about Castillo, but man, Sonny Gray hasn't skipped a beat. Uh, Tanner Rourke has been. Sonny know, Gray's peripherals are even better than Castillo's. It's true. It's true. Um, and with, with Discofani and, and Mally pitching well, and Roark being sort of, he's kind of been Roark plus, you know, he's, yeah. he's, we expect him to be average and he's been a shade above average. It's they're, they're keeping us in, in ball games. Now I, we got a viewer mail question that I want to, since we're talking about pitching, I thought it'd be a good idea to, uh, to talk about this one. This comes from Isaac Starcher who sent us this viewer mail question at patreon.com slash red radio, where you can as well. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. What about listeners? Do we have any listener mail this week, Chad? No listener mail, just actual letters. I still want to know how you got a camera into my house. From actual viewers. You don't want to know that. I could <laughs> I could get in trouble. Yeah. Isaac Starcher asks, is anybody getting as frustrated with the extremely short leash on starters the Reds have had so far? Parentheses, watching Mally get pulled for terrible Zach Duke. And I think that is actually his real first name, terrible Zach Duke. This excessive bullpen usage has to come back and bite the Reds later in the year, right? Also, it's Senzel time, he says in, in uh, bold letters, but we'll talk about that in a moment. 
the extremely short leash on starters. And I want to discuss that because obviously David Bell is uh, becoming legendary for overmanaging and pitching changes. And uh, he does I love his pitching changes. He does. And I get frustrated. I don't think it's a fun, uh, you know, a fun watch. I don't think it's a good spectator sport, all those pitching changes. But yeah. let me say this Is it fair to attribute the success that we're just now bragging on all our starting pitchers? Is it fair to attribute some of that success to the fact that? By the time you start getting to the third time through the lineup, they're a little quicker getting them out of the game before they can get into trouble, and that's why their numbers look so good. See where I'm going with that? I do, and I don't know. Um, I I think both ways, actually. I think they're, they are too quick. I agree with Isaac that they're too quick to pull them out. I think let's let some of these guys taste a little bit of adversity before, before yanking them, you know, let's see that they're not getting hitters out because sometimes I think they're removed so, too quickly, but, I, but that's part I of the just, reason why the numbers are good. I just looked this up real quick, just, just out of curiosity. And the Reds are dead middle of the pack in terms of the number of innings they're getting from their starters. They're 15th in all of baseball. So, so to the extent that like, and also the teams, let's see, of the teams who are ahead of them, they're 15th, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Nine of the, of the 14 teams who have gotten more innings from their starters have also played more games. Uh, and so it's one of those, and often like 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 more games, so a significant number of more games. So it looks like in terms of innings per start, they're, they're probably in the upper third of the league. So this really is like a baseball-wide trend, I think, really. I think so. And, and the fact that the Reds are above uh, you know, upper third can be attributed to the fact they haven't had that many times where you've got to pull a guy out after two innings or one inning. Yeah. They, they've not been blowing up right. on us. So, uh, so I think there's a little from column A, a little from column B on that. But uh, overall, you know, I, I don't know. I think I, I'm going to presume the analytics say – Let's get through that. I already know when you get to the third time through the lineup, just about everyone's numbers go down. And so it's it's good to be aware of that. I I wonder sometimes, I do think sometimes they're a little quick, and I presume their analytics say to do that. But uh, to me, analytics or not, it's not fun to watch. You know, I mean, I'm going to be an old man yelling at a cloud here, but uh, it's, uh, you know, as much as I've been a huge proponent of increased uh, use of analytics and, and, and quote unquote money ball, it's not as good of a spectator sport to me as the game used to be. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I agree with you. Um, the only thing I will say, just cause I'm kind of sitting here doing the math is the difference between the reds and the top team in the league in terms of innings per starters, which is the Ast- innings pitch per start, which is the Astros is one out. Is that right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's technically slightly more than that. It's 0.4 innings, but it's basically one out. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I mean, maybe. How about this? Let me put it this way: Should Reds fans be enjoying this quick hook? Because there's another manager in Reds history who had a yeah, Sparky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sparky's nickname was Captain Hook. Captain Hook. You can read about Sparky in a, a book. Uh, well, let's not do that. But. Um, Wait, I, wait, I'm confused. You don't want to talk about the Big 50. <laughs> I love when you mock me. It makes me happy. The men and moments. <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody that came out to uh, to see us at uh, the Ohio Anna Book Festival. Me and Chris Garber, by the way, where we were signing books. And it was a fun, 
fun time and uh, thanks as well to I think uh, I believe and if, I, if I'm wrong about this I'm going to really feel bad but I think uh, our buddy Hooper Powell who's one of our supporters on Patreon came out I think he was the only one of the patron, Patreon patrons to come out but thanks to everyone but anyway Captain Hook Sparky Anderson he had some success and so you know I don't know maybe maybe there's a method to that madness uh, you know to, to the extent that I have honestly have an issue with David Bell and, and the bullpen and all of that stuff it's just that I feel like there are certain pitchers he's not utilizing correctly. Like Amir Garrett yes. should be the kind of pitcher that you put in and you think, well, this guy can maybe get me two innings. Not, I'm going to use him for an out. And he's almost strictly been a loogie. And for those of you that don't know what a loogie is, lefty one-out guy. I mean, he comes in and pitches to one batter. And Yeah, one or two often, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy. And he's, he's done well because he's a good pitcher. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a guy that I see as on par with Iglesias. In terms of a guy that you can put it in at a tight spot and keep him in. Meanwhile, yeah, guys, the only guys on this team who I feel like should be coming in for one or two batters are Peralta and Duke. Yes, yes, two lefties, lefty one out guys. And, yeah. and, and Duke, and, and I don't want to criticize Peralta because he's been great. He's done everything that's been asked of him this year. But Zach Duke, uh, you know, here's my question to you. I'm on board with like you with everything David Bell's doing mostly. I don't have a ton of questions. You know, I, I'm not saying I love all the pitching changes and all that, but okay, it is what it is. I don't understand why Amir Garrett is pitching to one batter and sometime, or two, and sometimes cons- outings consisting of one pitch. I think he said three outings that consisted of just one pitch. Yeah. While Zach Duke, who, you know, has some qualities that made the Reds sign him for $2 million for this year. I mean, he had some success against left-handers last year, but he's pitching to right-handers as well. That That's what sort of amazes me is that he gets the the leash to pitch to right-handed hitters while Amir Garrett doesn't. I don't. Well, I, don't I mean, in, in fairness, Amir Garrett's appearances are on average longer than Zach Duke's appearances. Are they? They well, are. It's because Amir has, has appeared in 16 games and pitched 12 and two thirds innings. Duke has appeared in 15 games and pitched eight and a third innings. You know why that is? So, when Zach Duke comes in the game, he vomits all over the mound. And they got to take him out. Well, that's part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't necessarily get it either. Honestly, and this isn't. I'm mean, Zach Duke. I think is is fine, but I never understood why the Reds signed him in the first place. Because I felt like they he hasn't really been like an excellent pitcher for a little while, and I felt like the Reds already had better options than Zach Duke. So I was kind of confused at the signing at all. I was confused when they kept Peralta as well because he's kind of Peralta, yeah. and if he's just a, a, to pitch against left-handers, and you know you may need both for organizational depth, so you know I, I can see that. But then when they kept Peralta, it just it, the, the radar went up that oh no, Bell likes to have a lot of pitchers so he can change them. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Cody Reed should be on this team before Zach Duke is on this team. Yes, please. Uh, we've, I, th- I believe I can uh, put you in my camp. We've been the fully paid members of the Cody Reed fan club for a while. For a while. And I saw Cody Reed pitching three innings in Louisville recently. And he just, you know, I like to talk sometimes about how you see guys in AAA and it's just clear that they don't belong in AAA. And I've seen Cody Reed do that multiple times, yeah. but this most recent three innings was one of it. There, I mean, there was no competition. He, three innings, he only allowed two hits and they were both little like dinky hits. Um, you know, the kinds of balls that aren't hits if they're hit anywhere near a fielder. Um, 
One one yeah. one point about that, and then one question for you, Jason London. My point is, right. we have to concede that he's not always been great when he's come to the major leagues, but he has had some success. And uh, sure. I, I, the people that are giving up on Cody Reed, who's still, I think, 14 years old, are, are it's, I don't get it. Now, the question I have for you is, and this is complete speculation, I don't think there's been any reporting on this, this point, but you just mentioned his three-inning outing. Possible the Reds are yeah. stretching him out a little bit to maybe give him a, a shot at getting back in that starting rotation? I don't think so. No. In, in that in in that outing, especially, he was extremely pitch efficient. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like he only threw like thirty one or thirty two pitches, um, and it was coming on a run where Louisville had to use their bullpen a bunch. Yeah. Um. So they were pretty taxed, and he was super pitch efficient. Okay. okay. Still, so, yeah, a, yeah. Still a guy that I'd like to see in the starting rotation because I'm always going to default to that until it's obvious otherwise, but. I, I can see him and Amir Garrett being a dynamite left-handed duo in the Reds' bullpen. I mean, really good. Yeah. yeah, I do think at this point that it's not necessary to think of, of him as a starter just because I think the Reds are pretty set up on yeah. starters. Um, How about this? Michael Lorenzen's pitched the most uh, innings of any one in the Reds' bullpen. And uh, Roselle Iglesias... Is tied for second. Who's who's he tied for second uh, in t- terms of innings pitch in the Reds bullpen? Uh, is it Robert Bob Stevenson? <laughs> Who would have predicted that? No one. <laughs> what Absolutely, <about? laughs> literally, no one. Now here's what no one would have predicted: twenty strikeouts to four walks. Insane. Uh, are, are you kidding me? At some point, do they start thinking about moving him back to the rotation? Probably not. I don't think so either. And we keep getting that question, and he's a guy with all that talent that I like to see. But he's also a guy that when he's now in the bullpen and he can just focus on a couple pitches. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Uh, I mean, the question for me is, look at this rotation now. Who do you take out? And you got Alex Wood on the DL. Yeah. it's going to move an unknown quantity into sub-bin for one of these guys who are all pitching lights out right now? I'm not playing that game. And I'm not sending him to AAA to start no. either because I like him in my bullpen right now. We're talking about – is this – are we a crazy town? We're talking about Robert Stevenson. I, listen, I, I tweeted it, and I'll say it on the podcast. I was wrong, and apparently, and I'm glad I'm wrong. I did not think he was going to make it as a major league pitcher. I thought basically that he was, you know, always going to walk too many guys. And I don't know if it's the coaching or if he just made a decision within himself or what, but he has figured it out, and he is an entirely different pitcher, and I enjoy it. I love watching it. I don't and I'm glad he's wrong. You know, we say on the podcast oftentimes when we talk about what players are likely to do, that, and if we're talking about a player who's likely to not be so good, that we always hope we're wrong. And I always hope I'm wrong. I am, I am in, super excited that Stevenson has pitched the way he has and apparently he's found himself. That's great. That's what I want to happen to every player in the red system, and I'm thrilled that it's happened. I have no like issues at all admitting that what I thought was incorrect and also being super glad that this is going as well as it was. There's no irony or sarcasm in this at all. Thank you for making that distinction because sometimes we are critical of players, and sometimes we yeah. get accused of you know hating on players or you know uh, rooting against players because we're critical of them. And I think... Because we put our opinions uh, down on, uh, I think this is on tape. I think this is on cassette tape, right? Is that how we send this thing out yeah. into the world? It's a 60-minute it's a cassette tape that it we is. then 
uh, shoved through the internet tubes. Yes, yes. Uh, so people go to their mailboxes, I think, and get it. I'm not sure how it works, but but anyway, it's never the case. I am thrilled to be wrong about any red that I'm critical of, who ends up being good because when they're when, when they're good and I didn't expect it, it means that they're helping the Reds, and, and yep. I like I like when the Reds do well. I also enjoy the Reds doing well. <laughs> so I hope it happens soon. So no Stevenson to me. I wonder, someone suggested this to me on Twitter, and I wish I'd saved it because I don't have it here in front of me. Someone suggested to me on Twitter uh, that there's a comparison to be made, given that Derek Johnson is the pitching coach now, and he was the uh, pitching coach in Milwaukee prior to this year. And, and I think the pitching coaches and hitting coaches are going are getting too much credit or blame at this point. But it, it made me think, they compared him to a, another failed starter in Milwaukee named Josh Hader. And is there a possible parallel because he, he's become a shutdown reliever and used creatively. And is there a possibility with his electric stuff that he could transition into that guy? Now I'm not willing to make that bet, but man, it, uh, it perked my, uh, my, uh, my dreaming, uh, my antenna went up, I guess a little bit there. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I personally kind of wonder if it was a moment of, you know, obviously there always are conversations that go on behind the scenes that we're not privy to, but I wonder if it was basically, you know, he was out of options and it was a matter of this is what we need to see from you if you want to be on the team. Otherwise, we're going to have to cut you. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that could be a pretty powerfully motivating factor because however much I mean, you know, some team was going to take a chance on Stevenson. Nobody, he, you know, he, his career wasn't going to be over. But there's a big difference between. I got cut and this team picked me up and I was the first round draft pick for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I don't know. Um, we're, we're kind of dreaming just a little bit with it, with that yeah. guy, but uh, it's just been exciting to watch. Uh, before we start talking about the offense, before we shift gears into the offense, because uh, we got a pretty extensive conversation we got to have there. And, and later on as well, we're going to delve into red leg nation radio madness. We're down to the elite eight. In the competition, Ooh, la, la. to see who is the most valuable player in Reds history, determined by your votes. I want to talk about uh, the reports that the Reds are about to call someone up uh, for the, this weekend's uh, games. It, do, do you know who I'm talking about? Um, uh, who could they call up for this? Cody game? Reed. Oh, no, no, wait, no, is it? Uh, is it Jose Rijo? Oh man, I wish. Listen, I would, I, I would, <laughs> I would demote uh, some one of these red stars that have been great for. Let's call up like twenty-seven-year-old Jose Rijo. Yes, please. Oh my goodness. No, uh, it's it's Nick Senzel. It is Nick Senzel. You and I have been beating the drum for a long time, and now it appears that we are on the eve of Nick Senzel. Finally, finally making his debut for the Cincinnati yeah, Reds. How excited are you for that? I'm pretty excited. I'm, the Reds have not made the official announcement yet, but I mean, I think everybody understands fully that this is a thing that's going to happen. It's been reported widely, um, and finally, finally, let me let me say that I have independent verification that it is going to happen this weekend. It has it has not been announced officially. And, yeah. and do you find that strange? Because we're recording this on Thursday night. The Reds don't have another game until 
Fridays. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of you listen to, will listen to this before the game and, and some of you over the weekend. But w- what an opportunity to sell tickets. Does it surprise you they haven't officially announced it yet? What's going on there? Um, a little bit. I kind of wonder if it might just have to do with roster move machinations. Like they're going to have to create space on the 40 man and all of that kind of stuff that takes place. I, I, I assume that that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean it's, it's, frankly, everybody knows it. I mean, if you're, if you're not paying attention, if you pay attention to the Reds at all, you know that Nick Senzel is going to be in the lineup tomorrow. I hope he's in the lineup tomorrow. Starting in center field. It's happening. Leading off? I don't know. I was looking at um, at things today, and I realized that, you know, basically the five best hitters are going to be right-handers, uh, Senzel, Suarez, and Puig, and left-handers, Winker and Votto. And you can do a right-left, right-left, right thing pretty easily there if, if you feel so inclined. So I wouldn't be surprised if he were leading off. It's his first game, so I also wouldn't be surprised if he hit him seven or eight, seventh or eighth, just to be like, hey, kid. You know, take a deep breath and, and, you know, get your feet wet a little bit here and then we'll move you up in the lineup. But we'll see. Yeah, if he's not leading off tomorrow or hitting, you know, second or something like that, let's not get too upset about it. Yeah. I've, yeah, you know, I've, I've said this on the on the podcast before, but it definitely bears repeating. One of the most informative things and, and the best baseball quotes I've ever gotten when I've been able to talk to people in the Bats organization was talking to Delino DeShields, who was the manager and is now the first base coach. He was the manager for the Bats and now is the first base coach for the Reds. And I asked him about lineup construction. And he's like, players feel players feel differently about different spots in the lineup. And where you put them affects, with certain guys, how they approach the game. So sometimes you bat them lower to take the pressure off. Sometimes you don't hit them fourth because they're going to try to hit home runs and you don't want them to try to hit home runs. Like... You know, that that's one of those things that we don't think about. And there's a whole lot less pressure batting seventh or eighth than there is batting first or second. Well, and that goes back to uh, the, some of the arguments we've seen over the years about analytics versus old school type thinking. Yeah. And, and something that it's something I try to guard against because I have been I've been moneyball, man. I've been I'm all, all I'm all in on that stuff. But you have to caution yourself against uh, forgetting that these are actual human beings. Yeah. We're not plugging it into a computer. And, and there are things like that. That's why I think Dusty Baker, for all his faults, and we complained about Dusty as much as anyone, I think for all his faults, he had some merits as a manager because he was clearly a good manager of men in the clubhouse in some ways. Now, he had his faults there as well, but uh, I was willing to believe that he, he brought something and he has it every place he's been. So you're right. There may be something to where he hits tomorrow. There may not. Let's not... Dr- I think this is a point that you made on Twitter as well. Let's not draw any conclusions about Nick Senzel based upon what happens tomorrow, what happens this weekend, or what happens over the next month. Let's not yeah. uh, let's not be too quick to draw any conclusions. This is what I will say: if Nick if Nick Senzel hits above sixth in the order tomorrow, it tells you something about the kind of hitter the Reds think he will be. That's true. Um, but in terms of his results. Don't talk to me until he's got at least a month and really realistically probably two months in the majors. Oh, let me ask you this. If, if he's here on June 15th. Yeah. And he's hit. I want uh, two questions. How do okay. you, how do you react if a he's hitting 215 or B he's hitting 375? 
Um, I either way, I think he's probably a three hundred slash four hundred slash five hundred hitter. Exactly. Uh, neither of those should make anyone think he's the Hall of Famer or that he's a bust. Based on a month of it, but they will. I know, I know, and that's this uh, generation and, and the the fact that we've got Twitter where everybody can be so immediate in their reactions. But that's what I think. That's the point we're trying to make is he's going to struggle some. He's going to do well at times. You know, let's 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 go along for the ride. I just hope he's here to stay. I think he is. I mean, he's never gone back down. <laughs> you know, I want to I want to sign on to that, but he's been jerked around so much. He has, but I don't think he's going back down. I think if he goes back down, it's it's on the line of like rehab assignment, you know that kind of right. thing. Yeah. Well, he's definitely coming up, and and I do have. I'm going to tease it. I guess I've got some information about when he was told. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into too much of that until I have uh, permission to. But um, he, it, it is happening. He's he's definitely yeah. coming up, even though the Reds haven't. Um, and. Uh, you know, we've been beating this drum, and I've had people hammer me and hammer at Red Leg Radio on Twitter with good calls for like, come on, you're beating the dead horse. And we have beat the dead horse, and I know it has irritated some of you. Uh, a lot of you agree with us, but it's just because it's been so frustrating that this is a guy that should have been here. And I feel like he's been That's treated. last year, just yeah. to be clear. Right, yeah. And so uh, I just think he's been treated unfairly. And But here we are, okay? I hope he forgets the way he was treated and is willing to be a great red for the rest of his career. But either way, I'm excited that it's happening. I'm I'm thrilled. I mean, I, I feel like it's a victory for me that he's being called up. Because you and I, how many times have we talked about how frustrated we've been that he's not been called up? And so almost every week for a year. And, <laughs> and for being jealous, it's true. Every time we talk, it's like, oh, Nixon should be here. And so. Uh, and I know you're as excited as I am just because, hey, finally, we get to watch this guy in a Cincinnati Reds uniform, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. And also, like, I mean, to be frank, you know, I was thinking about this recently. I'm just ready for there to be a different story. <laughs> That's, yes. Like, I'm ready to talk about something else. It's It's not that, like, I'm trying to belabor the point, but it's like, it's the elephant in the room and I can't ignore it. And now, finally, it's not and I can we can move on. Right. It's been, the offense has been bad, the pitching's been good, and they've not really made any changes, but now, okay, something's different. Is this going to work? You know, it's, just, it's a different yeah. story that we can talk about. Yeah. And uh, and I want to talk about it. Joseph Prince asks us on uh, patreon.com slash redlegradio, his viewer mail question, will the Senzel boost be enough to write the offense? If Major League Baseball wants the game faster, they should just use the strike zone from today's game, he says. Oh, boy, if you saw today's game, my goodness. It was atrocious. It was ridiculous. I didn't get to see it all, but I saw bits and pieces. Well, Jesse Winker got thrown out with an 0-2 count for arguing balls and strikes, if that tells you anything. I like Jesse Winker. Um, But Joseph's question, will the Senzel boost be enough to write the offense? Now, here's my answer to that, and then I'll see what you uh, think, Jason. Number one, it could be. He's good. But let's not get into the mindset of thinking that Nick Senzel is the savior from day one. He's going to take some time to get adjusted to the big leagues Everyone does. So so the answer is, it could be enough to, to fix this offense. But, man, let's not put that on the kid. You see where I'm going there? Yeah. I, I think I think the offense is very likely to fix itself, um, Nixon Zell or not. Um, 
but it was also is, is unreasonable to to put anything like that on the shoulders of Nixon Zell. Um, and actually, can I can I can I ramble just for a minute? Is that acceptable? Oh, it's pretty much the only thing you ever do on these podcasts. Okay. So, just speaking of the offense writing writing itself, and you said you know everybody. This just made me think of this, and you're like everybody takes some time to adjust to the to the majors. You know who didn't take time to adjust to the majors? Uh, let me see. Let me guess. Uh, you're gonna say, oh man, um, oh gosh, I'm on the I'm on the spot here. Uh, oh. Chad, you know me, Derek Dietrich. No, Kirk Sally, Kyle Farmer. No, Phil no. Urban? No. Let me hold on. Let me pour me another cup of coffee and see if I can figure out who you're talking about. A cup of coffee? You know, you know. <laughs> Tell us, Mr. Daniel Votto, in his first 89 appearances in a little cup of coffee in September 2007, hit 3.21. And I want to do two quick rambles here. One is for some reason a lot of people are complaining about Joey Votto's contract right now. Oh gosh, I know. I know. And so I as I like and, and want to do, I I just looked things up today cuz it's fun to look things up. <laughs> I'm just going to read my tweet. I'm going to read it out loud on the air as it were on the internet too. In 2014, Joey Votto signed. I was corrected. He that's when the contract kicked in. He technically signed it before 2014, whatever. In 2014, Joey Votto signed a $225 million 10-year contract. Since then, he has been worth $186 million in terms of wins above replacement, at least his value by fan graphs. Last year, he was worth $28.2 million. Remember, last year was a down year for Joey Votto. He needs to generate basically one, walk, one win above replacement per season for the rest of his contract to be worth $225 million. Everybody should shut up about how much he's played. <laughs> Thank you. That's my kind of ramble. Yeah. Can I circle back though to uh, the way we started into that, which is how he, you know, he his hit, he hit from the beginning because Red Lake Nation Radio, it's a it's a podcast. Some would say it's the world's most dangerous podcast. It launched in the year 2007, but back then, you know, I did, we really didn't do it regularly. It was kind of an intermittent thing to put out some audio and you know, uh, we're sort of feeling our way through before it got really regular over the last few years. And um, but at that time, if we had been doing Red Leg Radio every week, Red Leg Nation Radio every week in 2007, you think the Nixon Zell stuff we've been beating the dead horse on for the last little bit has, is something? Oh, you should have heard me in 2007 when Joey Votto was still languishing in AAA behind a, a fine player that I liked a lot, Scott Hatterberg, but. Uh, Joey Votto's a guy who should have been up a year earlier. So that's part of the reason why he started out so well is that he was fully well marinated by the time he emerged at, in his age 23 season to finally get uh, 89 plate appearances in the big leagues. So I'm, I'm ranting like a dozen years after the, after the fact. So that's pretty much par for the course here. So Nixon Zell, I just got a message actually. Um, Again, it's not been announced, but I just got a message. He is, Nick Senzel is in the city of Cincinnati as we speak. Ooh la la. He is literally within the confines of the Queen City. Cincinnati, Nick Senzel like is in you. Wait a minute, that didn't, that didn't come out right. 
Um, so it's happening, and we're excited. So we're not going to we're not going to hammer the how upset we are that it took so long because this is the time to really enjoy the fact that this is a kid who's worked his tail off, who's done literally everything the Reds have ever asked of him, switching positions. You know, he's been injured, certainly, but he's worked hard to come back from it, and now he's getting a chance to live out his personal big league baseball dream. And that, to me, I don't know Nick Senzel personally, but that, to me, is an, an exciting thing to watch a kid get a chance for, who's worked so hard to finally, that first that first time coming out of the big league dugout has got to be just unbelievable, right? It's got to be fantastic. I'm probably never going to get that moment. I'm still holding out hope that they're going to call me up. Probably not going to happen. Calling you up as what? Like Chief Cotton Candy Bender? Chief? I'll take that. My uh, high school baseball coach once called me up and said, Hey, son, maybe you should join the tennis team. <laughs> that wasn't very nice, was it? No, I mean, I like to tell people that I retired in eighth grade having played well past my peak. <laughs> I kept trying to go, but... Uh, but ultimately did join the tennis team. So let's talk about the offense real quick before we get into Red Leg Nation Radio Madness. Congratulations, Nick Senzel. Can't wait to see you in a Reds uniform. The offense. And you had a piece at RedLegNation.com this week that I want to weave into the narrative here. But the, right. fa- the fact of the matter is the Reds offense has been putrid. It has been absolutely awful. By pretty much every measure, they're one of the four worst offenses in baseball. You can go by... Uh, wins above replacement. You can go by uh, weighted on base average, weighted runs created plus. Whatever advanced analytic you want to use, they're among the worst. Except for one not-so-advanced analytic where they're not the worst. And uh, that is, uh, there's there's this one category that's sort of important to winning baseball games. It's called runs. It is called runs, yes. And in runs, they are uh, not bottom four. They're a little bit better than that, and the run differential's been uh, pretty good. But overall, the offense has been awful. I just It's been awful. There's no other way to put it that when you look at this set of 31 games at this point, they've been terrible. One of the worst offenses in baseball. You think that, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm going to let you explain it, but you think that's really a, a not the right narrative here. Is that fair? Yes, I, I think, okay, so part of the problem is that, I and I'm not denying this, the Reds' offense was terrible for the first nine games of the season. They were shut up in four of their first nine games. <laughs> That's not good. That's not good. And so, but, you know, since then, since that one and eight start, which was horrible, they they played better. I think we all can acknowledge that, right? And I was just like, you know, sometimes I just wonder things and I go to look them up. And it's not a matter of, I know I'm right. I'm just like, well, but they've been winning, so how are they, right? And since then, they've been basically, in terms of scoring at least, the batting average and, and, and the, all the runs created plus, all of that stuff is still below average. But they basically scored at roughly the average rate that you would expect. Um, so not, know, not great like we expected, but... Yeah, no, but, but Not middle of the barrel. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of comfortably middle of the pack. Um, and that's fine. You know, I kind of think, I still assume that they will come around. I just, I can't, I just, there are too many good hitters on this team. You can't tell me that you just, I just. 
I get it, but listen, how about this? You can't tell me that Jesse Winker is going to hit 200 all year. It's just not going to happen. Well, I do want to mention Winker specifically because uh, I did some digging on him in a moment, but I don't disagree with you. They've certainly been better. But on the other hand, through 30 games, they are what they are, and a bunch of guys are really still struggling, and we are almost 20% of the way through the season. So, I mean, yes, it's still early, but we're more than a month in, and you know, you look at guys like uh, Yasiel Puig, and he's been awful. Scott Shebler, let's not even talk about poor Scott Shebler, because I, rest in peace, Scott Shebler. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Scott Shebler is about to go to the bench, and I don't think he's ever going to return from it. Yeah, well, he hopes he's just to the bench, because he, he could be in Louisville tomorrow. It's impossible, yeah. I mean, that's not the move I would make, but it's possible, yeah. He's just been, and he, he looks like he hears Nixon's footsteps every step he takes. Uh, oh, it's awful. But so guys like that, and Peraza's coming around a little bit here in the last little bit, but he's been not the Peraza we saw last year. And I, you know, he's 25. I expect he's going to be. Yeah. All these guys, though, you know, they hadn't, there's a bunch of guys here. Your boy Votto, he's not been awful, you know, but he's not been, none of these guys have been with the back of their baseball cards say they should be, with the possible exception of Suarez, although he's dipped lately. And Jose Iglesias has been way better. I'm just not worried about it. When do we get worried about it? We're 20% of the way through the season. I don't know. Halfway through the season? I don't disagree with you, but at some point it's not a small sample size anymore. I'm getting antsy, is what I'm telling you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, all of the offensive stats that people worry about require several hundred plate appearances before they're reliable. It's true. That's just that's just it. That's, that's all I can say. And until such time as those things happen, I'm, I just... I'm not I'm not worried about it. I just refuse, you know, and I will give you a, a quick example right now as I talk out loud over top of some things so that I can throw something together real quick um, and see this is me talking as I put something together on my computer here. Look how fast I can talk. This, All is, right. this is scintillating radio. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, so are you ready for some numbers? <laughs> I've been ready for like 14 seconds now. Okay. So a runs created plus of say 117. Would that worry you from Joey Votto? Um, it would not worry me. No. In, in the beginning of May. All right. So that's Joey Votto the last two weeks. Yeah. How about this? Uh, Jesse Winker. He was one for his first 24. Yeah. Since then, 313 batting average, 389 on base percentage, 719 slugging, eight homers, 13 RBIs. Yep. So, Still hit 234. Yeah, yeah. He, he still he still has his season-long numbers are not, don't look that good on the surface. But so you're right. It's just that the beginning, the first nine games were so almost historically bad that it's just going to take a while to dig out from it. And and not only have they dug out a little bit, they're performing a little closer to their, with some notable exceptions, but they're they're performing closer to what we expect from, quote-unquote, the back of their baseball card. Yeah. But, uh, and during that time, the Reds have won more games. they got a winning record since that 1-8 and eight start, they're, and they're actually playing competitively, and they're, you know, they've been a lot more fun to watch. 
recently, although still some, some moments where the offense is ugly. And when that happens, like today, again, we're recording on Thursday, and, and Noah Syndergaard shuts them, that, shuts them out thanks to an assist from who was great. Noah Syndergaard's great, but thanks to an assist from the umpire, uh, shut them out. But when those games happen, people are going to be like, oh, look at all these numbers. Because on the surface, they stu- do still look bad. But I think you've just about convinced me that the offense has been really bad this year, but not nearly as bad as it appears. That's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah. So I've got another question for you here. Here's my hot take of the of the week. It is my opinion that right now, at this very moment, let's leave Joey Votto out of it because there's some question about Joey Votto and decline years and all that stuff. Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. I'm going to leave him out of this discussion. But of everyone else on the Reds roster, the best hitter on the Cincinnati Reds right now is Jesse Wink. I mean, not just the way he's hitting right now, but I mean, just the best hitter overall is Jesse Winker. No. You're wrong, Jason. I'm not wrong. You know why I'm not wrong? Why are you not wrong? Uh, come on, you're not going to you're not going to you love Matt Kemp, I know. You think Matt Kemp's no. the greatest player ever. Jesse Winker can't hit left-handers. <laughs> so says David Bell. He can't. The numbers say it too. Well, he doesn't get a chance to hit a left-handers. Yeah, Jesse Winker has never hit left-handers ever, anywhere at any level, never. Jesse Winker is a fine hitter, and he is going to be an integral part of the Reds for a long time. Jesse Winker does not hit left-handers until until we have a good, solid, full season of data. As far as I'm concerned, right now, Eugenio Suarez is the best hitter on the team. You all are hearing it. I mean, we're Jason and I are live. You all are hearing it recorded, but you're listening to it. Jason Lennon hates Jesse Winker. He despises Jesse Winker. He puts Jesse Winker in the same bucket as Scooter Jeanette. I would say that Jesse Winker is probably the third best hitter on the team. Including Votto? Yeah. Okay. I can't argue with that because I, I'm... As Votto Winker. That's my order. Yeah. Listen, I'm desperately in love with Eugenio Suarez. Yeah. I want to have like a million of his babies. But Jesse Winker, I think it's fair to say, yeah, I just said that. Uh, it's Jesse Winker, I think you're right. <laughs> Boy, that hurts to say. Jesse Winker, you're, he has been, the Reds have been cautious with him against left-handers. I think they need to let him hit against left-handers more. He's got, he's got, to, le- he's got to learn. Hurt him. Yeah. But, um, that's a that's a very fair point to make, but uh, the little research that uh, that I did and uh, I got an assist or sort of a prompt from Joel Luckup, our good friend, who's the statistician for Reds Television Broadcast on Fox Sports Ohio. Joel uh, did some some digging, and then I went a little bit further. Turns out there are 414 hitters in the entire history of the big of the Cincinnati Reds. That's a long history. 414 hitters who have played at least 164 games. And of those 414, only eight had an on-base percentage of 370 and a slugging percentage of 450 through their first 164 games. And these are sort of, we're pulling these stats out of the air for a reason, but on-base percentage of 370 is good. Slugging percentage of 450, pretty good. So through their four, first 164 games, only eight hitters in the history of the club 
have managed that. And Jesse Winker's one of them. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Now, again, we're cherry-picking just a little bit. But still, he's been very productive. And I think, I'm not sure that people realize how productive he's been since finally emerging on the big league scene. 288 batting average, 383 on base percentage, 473 slugging percentage, 25 doubles, 22 home runs. His OPS plus through his first 164 games, again, that's adjusted uh, OPS 125, which means he's been 25% better than a league average hitter at the beginning of his career. And that's why yep. I say that the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, just uh, he's has been better than people realize. He continues to be good. He's good right now. And now that the, the shoulder is healed and his power has started to develop, I think he's an all-star. I mean, I think he's an all-star waiting to happen. Am I wrong? Oh, I do too. But is, is he, is that, most people, I'm trying to think of the way to, to phrase this, most people would not say Jesse Winker is a future all-star. Most Reds fans. But I think he is. So, you know, Nixon Zell is a future all-star. Eugenio Suarez is already an all-star. You talk about cornerstones for a good team. There's three guys right there. Not to not to mention that, frankly, Jose Peraza, when he gets back to shortstop, there are signs that he can be that level of a player among shortstops. So I'm again, this is me being optimistic. But uh, but am I wrong? I, I know you're going to tell me I'm wrong because you always do. But am I wrong about this? I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. And I let me tell you something. I will say, and I will say it until people stop fussing about this. Jose Peraza is good. And Jose Peraza is going to be good for a while. I, I'm not arguing with you on that. You convinced me last year. I mean, people you, like, you know, one of the things about Peraza, and, you know, he's kind of the inverse Jay Bruce is kind of how I think of him. You know, Jay, Jay Bruce is prone. Basically, players on extreme ends of the three true outcomes scale are prone to sort of feast and famine. Um, and so Peraza opened the season Balls weren't falling. He was swinging at some bad pitches and so on and so forth. And that's going to happen with him. He's going to slump. But there also are going to be times when he is just flat going to carry, you know, well, I don't know if Jose Peraza necessarily is ever really going to carry a team, but but times when he is going to really, really hit. And he's going to be an average or better hitter at a premium defensive position. He's a good baseball player. And that's just all there is to it. Over the last week, he's got a 131 W runs created plus. Like, he's 31% better than league average. Do I think he's really that good? No. Do I think he's like the 46 that he's got for the season or whatever? No, of course not. He's an average or a little bit above average hitter, and he's a a solid defensive shortstop. Yeah, he's going to be prone to fluctuations in terms of his performance because he does swing at too many pitches sometimes. And and people have to get comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's who he is. You're right. Uh, I think where people are underestimating underestimating him and you convinced me early you were on, you were an early adopter of the Jose uh, Peraza train but where yeah. I, I'm convinced that he is going to be maybe not an elite defensive shortstop but I think he's going to be well above average he has all the tools and he's still a kid so I I don't see any reason why he's not going to develop into a really really good defensive shortstop so uh, but how do we start talking about Peraza when I was trying to talk about Jesse Winker I don't know you went there that's true Jesse Winker 
eight players who have uh, hit that well in their first 164 games. The other seven, let me just quickly mention them. Frank Robinson, you ever heard of him? I have heard of him. Baseball legend. Veda Pinson, Adam Dunn. Heard of those guys? I mean, I mean, Adam Dunn's the greatest player in the history of baseball. Ed Bailey, who most Reds fans are probably not going to remember, but he's a catcher. He played in six All-Star games. Um, two guys that I think are kind of similar, Cal Daniels and Austin Kearns. Really bright young stars. Injuries uh, kind of ruined their careers in a lot of ways. But lots of talent. And the other guy, Bernie Carbo, who won Rookie of the Year, was a big, important player on the 1975 Red Sox after leaving the Reds. And uh, cocaine got the best of him, I guess was the one way to put it. So, uh, so some good players there, and Jesse Winker's in that mix. So Jesse Winker is really good. He is very – he is a – very good hitter, and I'm not debating that. I think the issue is more, and this is not really an issue, that the Reds have uh, a plethora of very good hitters. And so that means the offense has to come around, right? Please? Yes. <laughs> you want to know, like, this is looking way ahead, but but would you? Can I, can I talk about something a little bit fun? You may. I like fun. All right. So I was thinking about not only this year, but next year, right? Because we've got Nixon's L finally, is going to arrive, okay? That's true. I suspect that in 2020, we will see the arrival of another player by the name of Taylor Trammell. And Taylor Trammell bats left-handed. And that would give the Reds Trammell, Votto, and, um, oh, Winker as elite left-handed hitters. And it would give them Senzel and Suarez. And please, please, because I do believe he's going to hit. I'm hoping for the magical world where they extend Puig. Oh, I like that. Can you imagine that top six? So you got you got Puig, Trammell, and uh, Winker in the outfield. So that assumes Trammell, though, can play center field. Oh, he can play center field. And you move uh, Senzel back to second. Yeah. And just think, imagine, imagine, imagine the top of the order, just alternating. I'm drooling. Tremel, Senzel, Votto, Suarez, Winker, Puig. Left, right, right, left, right. I switched that around. I think Votto's a number two hitter at that point. And maybe Senzel's third or or Suarez. Shuffle it around however you want. But I I just like the left, right, left, right, left, right thing. I think it's. So you're being optimistic is what you're telling me. That's what I'm telling you. Always. So, so I'm looking here at the Reds have had 12 guys, 12 uh, hitters this season that have played for the team. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of those 12 have a batting average of 200 or below. At this oh, point. Lord. At this point. Oh, my goodness. That's how bad it's been, Jason Linden. I, just, I mean, it just occurred to me as I was scanning down. Eight of the 12 players who have had at-bats, you know, hitters. So right, so not non-pitchers. Right, yeah. non-pitchers. Eight of the 12 have batting averages of 200 or below. The only ones who don't, Joey Votto, Jose Iglesias, who leads the team at 313, Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, and Kurt Casale. Yeah. Yikes. 
I, I was looking this up too, and I just just by way of, of convincing people not to panic. Batting average on balls in play has been really unkind to the Reds. I looked up since 1990 the teams that were the worst at it. Um, and the top three slots all are early 90s Mets teams, which if you were to go look at those teams, you would understand why they stunk. All right. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. You'd be like, oh, wow, these guys all after they turned into pumpkins. And the Reds just don't have that team. And also, the Mets still were 15 points better in terms of batting average on balls in play than the Reds currently are. And that's a that's an interesting uh, way to look at uh, offense, batting average on balls in play, because, uh, you know, lucky-unlucky is not really the way to, to put it, but most teams are going to settle sort of around the middle. The Reds have by far had the – they've got the lowest batting average on balls in play of any team in the major leagues. They're batting yeah. – it's, it's 245 right now. Second, yeah. second is two fifty-five. I mean, they're ten yeah. points below the second. It just uh, yeah. isn't going to last. It just isn't. And also, I mean, part of it is that you know one of the things that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast is that the Reds have had a pretty tough schedule to start. Yeah, and they're coming home for a little yeah. while now. They've been on the road a lot. Yeah. So well, they're coming home for what four games, and then they go on a West Coast road trip. The team needs a home stand. Yeah. With Nixon Zell in the lineup, so yes, with uh, you look at the Babbitt number and you think, okay, they're gonna it's gonna get better. They're gonna get luckier. That's not really the right word, but they're gonna have better results. And yeah. the pitching is, uh, you know, it's it's likely to come back to earth a little bit. Although I, you know, again, maybe I'm just being overly optimistic, but I don't think they're too far off what we can expect. Other than Castillo, yeah. you know, other than Castillo, who's been all world. Although heck, maybe he is all world, but the offense is gonna come. I, You've convinced me. I'm a- I was antsy, as I said earlier, but I just don't see how it can continue. Even though we're at twenty percent of the season, I just there's don't. Just, see- there's no way that Winker and Puig and Suarez and Votto all suddenly forgot how to hit. Right. Just, there's no way, and I don't care. There is no coach. Frankly, there is like. Remember, the hitting coach is well regarded, and no. Even no no hitting coach in the world is stupid enough to come in and tell those four guys that everything they've ever done is wrong, and here, let's change it to this thing. Just no. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you at this point. Let me make a uh, – on Turner Ward, the hitting coach, let me make a, a quick point that I looked up earlier today because I keep hearing – and I, I, I don't want to say I keep hearing because this is the sense that I've gotten as well – about the Reds, their offensive woes have been caused by the fact that they're swinging too much, that they're not seeing enough play, uh, pitches, that they're you know uh, too aggressive. And to me, and this is why the eye test doesn't always work. I, you know, I've had the feeling that the Reds haven't been patient, and and that's got to be a big part of why they've been so awful. But and it's it's true, kinda. The Reds are tied for sixth worst in all of baseball in pitches per plate appearance. So they're seeing fewer pitches per plate appearance. They're sixth worst, basically. Uh, yeah. So so that's not good. And so you're thinking, oh, gosh, Turner Ward's come in, and now they're all being really aggressive. It's ridiculous. But you know what? Last year, full yeah. season, yeah. they were the third worst. And so they've actually improved this year over last year in terms of the number of plate appearances, uh, pitches they see per plate appearance. 
And what's funny about those stats is Seattle is the best this year in seeing the most plate appearances, most pitches per plate appearance, and last year they were the worst. Um, but the uh, Turner Ward is the Resnu hitting coach. He was the Dodgers hitting coach before. Last year when he was their hitting coach, they were the most patient team in baseball by this so by this metric. So this is a sort of a pre-existing condition. Let's not let's not blame Turner Award. They are not seeing a lot of pitches. They are being very aggressive. Maybe that's a function of who the players are. And there's not a direct correlation between the number of pitches you see. There is a sort of a general correlation, but there's not a direct correlation between the number of pitches you see and the effectiveness of your offense. As we saw from last year, they're a pretty good offense overall. And they were more free swinging than they are this year. So I don't think that's the reason. I don't think you can blame Turner Ward. He's the new guy, and it's easy to blame him. I don't think you can. I just think that they've been a little unlucky. They've had some guys that have maybe been pressing a little bit. You think about Scott Schebler's pressing because he hears footsteps. You think Yasiel Puig may be pressing because he's in a new place. He's in a contract year. You know, I mean, you can see some reasons why you can explain it away. I think that I'm with you, Jason. They're not this bad. No. Like I just I don't have anything else to say. They just they just are not. Yeah, I, I, they they have been awful. We agree. They've been terrible. They there is there's just no way they're going to continue to be this way for the, the remainder of this season. The other eighty percent of the season. So yeah, and that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, imagine imagine if the pitching is real and the offense goes to what we think it is. Oh my gosh. They're a you know they're above average team, and so maybe that it means they end no, this season. No, no, no. If the pitching is what it's been, and the offense is what we think it is, they're the best team in the league. Because so they were supposed to have a top five or six offense, and right now they have the best pitching in baseball. <laughs> you take the best pitching in baseball with a top five or six offense. No, there's no. They're a contender. There's they're the team to beat. Oh man. So maybe, maybe we're close. Uh, maybe. This is this is Jason Linden and Chad Dotson getting irrationally excited as we usually do. Yeah. yeah. All right, we've you know we do it every week, but uh, we've we keep talking. We've got to get into Red Lake Nation Radio Madness. For those of you that are just picking us up this week that haven't been listening in the last few weeks, we've been doing a uh, a bracket contest because. I like these uh, 68 team brackets because sometimes really good teams win them. Like in the college basketball tournament, have you you remember that, right? I do remember that. I remember it both of the last two years. <laughs> they stopped after the first round last year. Yeah, yeah. This year they went all the way through. They finished it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we did a uh, bracket, and Jason and I, or excuse me, the committee got together <laughs> and seated. 68 players for the most valuable Reds player in history. And your votes every week, we start voting on Sunday. We end up on Wednesday. Your votes determine who moves on to the next round. And we're in the Sweet 16 now. You guys voted for who's going to make it to the Elite Eight. So let's run through these as quickly as we can. We're not going to have much time to give a whole lot of analysis. But I want to I want to dig into these results just a little bit. All right. In the Crosley region, Johnny Bench is the number one seed. He faced off against the number five seed, Jim Maloney. Johnny Bench with a unanimous win in the first round, amazingly. And uh, now he's facing a little bit tougher competition. That first round was against Scott Williamson, former Rookie of the Year. Now against Jim Maloney, a star of the pre-Big Red Machine, 
pitcher and then into the big red machine, kind of. You you took Johnny Bench, as we talked last week, right? Yes, because I'm not insane. <laughs> well, you are slightly insane, but you were right about this one. Johnny Bench, 99% to 1%, takes out Jim Maloney. Jim Maloney is eliminated in the Sweet 16, which is probably where he should be, and that's not a criticism. Great career, and uh, he makes it to the final 16. Veda Pen- this one was in- interesting to me in the Crosley region, the number two seed Veda Pinson versus the number three seed Ed Roush. Who'd you have there? Uh, I've got Pinson there, I believe. I voted for Ed Roush. Even though he was the lower seed here, Hall of Famer, Pinson, probably an underrated red who I love and I think gets less credit than he deserves. But just Roush, he was the star of the first world champion Reds. I went with him. The winner, however, with 70% of the votes, Veda Pinson. Are you surprised it was 70 to 30? Not really, just because I think Roush is a lesser-known figure. But he shouldn't be. He was the star of the first world champion team. Yeah, but that was 100 years ago. Literally 100 years ago. I thought you were exaggerating for a moment, then I realized, oh no, it really was 100 years ago. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's move on to the Riverfront region. Riverfront. My favorite baseball stadium in the history of baseball stadiums. The number one seed, Frank Robinson, versus the number four seed, Eric Davis. This one is one that I expected to be among the tightest of the number one seed matchups in the Sweet 16. Just because Eric Davis is, we're talking about I mean, most most valuable. I, I think tightest is a relative thing here. I wouldn't be surprised if this was one where the, the four seed got the most votes, but I still should obviously be Frank Robinson. Well, the reason I say that about... Uh, Eric Davis is that as a as a player, he was the most interesting because we talking we're talking about valuable, yeah. and and valuable means you know um, different things to different people. And Eric Davis, at his height, was considered to be the next Willie Mays. Yeah, I mean he was unbelievable, and yes, he got more votes than anyone has ever gotten in Red Leg Nation Radio Madness against a number one seed. But still, Frank Robinson moves on 74% to 26%. Any thoughts about that one? That seems about right to me. Well, I hate it for Eric Davis because I know the injuries robbed him of a career. Yeah. But Frank Robinson was Frank Robinson. He's an inner circle Hall of Famer. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, Eric Davis. I love you. I want you to do better. You made it to the Sweet 16, but you're not better than Frank Robinson. All right. Also in the Riverfront region, number two seed, Tony Perez versus number three seed, Heine Grow. This is the one we've used the term in the last few weeks, recency bias. Yeah. People don't realize how good Heine Grow was, do they? They do not. He was great. Yeah. Tony Perez wins with 89% of the vote. To 11% for Heine Grow. I'm pretty sure I voted for Grow on that, and that should have been much closer than it was. I voted for Grow as well. I think Tony Perez, this is going to be bad. I think he's a shade overrated. And that's not a, I'm not trying to criticize him because he was a great player. I don't don't have any problem with him winning here. We see, or excuse me. I think, I think everybody from the big, big red machine who's not Johnny Bench or Joe Morgan is a little bit overrated. Yeah. I mean, the committee seated Perez higher than Grove for a reason. Perez had a great career. But, man, this one should have been 51% to 49%. Come on, listeners. I mean, viewers or whatever you are. 
You Listeners, know. did you hear it, everybody? <laughs> Let's move on to the Great American region. Have you figured out how I've named these regions, Jason? You named them after insurance companies. Exactly. So we're on to the State Farm region. The number one seed, Joe Morgan, versus the number four seed, Jose Rijo. Second mention of Jose Rijo tonight. Pretty obvious, right? Yeah, it's got to be Joe Morgan. I mean, I, we love Jose, but yeah. Love Jose Rijo. I think Reds fans underrate him. But Joe See, Morgan. he's severely underrated. Not but just by Reds fans, but by all of baseball. Yes, he was just, he was great. But Joe Morgan wins with 92% of the votes, and I can't have any argument with that because obviously I voted for Joe Morgan, despite my love for Jose Rio. In the Great American region, the number two seed, Joey Votto, versus the number three seed, Epirixi. Yeah, that's Joey, and it's not even close. What? Shouldn't be, at least. Do you know where Epirixi went to college? Uh, St. John's. Epirixi was a fabulous pitcher for the... University of Virginia. And all the greatest people, including Red's Director of Baseball Operations, President of Baseball Operations, Dick Williams. Epirixi went to UVA. Um, I voted for Joey Votto. And Joey Votto wins 92% to 8%. Yeah, you know, Epirixi is a guy that's underrated because he's an older guy that people don't realize he was that good. And he was great. But Joey Votto is... uh, Joey Votto's going to finish his career being... An underrated Reds legend. You understand what I'm saying about that? He is, don't you think? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think Pat. Like, yeah. So let's move on to the Palace of the Fans region. Palace of the Fans Insurance Company region. Number one seed Pete Rose versus number five seed Johnny Cueto. I expected this one to be the closest, actually, of the number one seed matchups, just because Pete Rose. Uh, you know, he's slimy, and it's not fun to push the button for him. But yeah. uh, And because Cueto, people don't realize at his peak how great he was, even though it's, he's a recent player. But uh, you voted for – who'd you vote for? I honestly can't remember because Pete Rose is slimy. Yeah, he's slimy. I mean, he is, but on the field he was great. I mean, he was a, he was a uh, fun player. On the yeah. field we're – t- and we're talking about on the field. Uh, and he wins 78% to 22%. And the final matchup of the Sweet 16, number two seed, Barry Larkin versus number three seed, George Foster. Foster in the Sideburns Hall of Fame. Barry Larkin in the I've Appeared on Red Leg Nation Radio Hall of Fame. We both voted for Larkin, right? Yes. And Larkin wins this matchup 87% to 13%. So that sets up the Elite Eight now. We're down to eight competitors for the most valuable player in Cincinnati Reds history. You can vote beginning 8 p.m. Sunday night at redlegnation.com. Your matchups, number one seed in the Crosley region, Johnny Bench, facing off against number two seed, Veda Pinson. In the Riverfront region, number one seed, Frank Robinson, facing off against number two seed, Tony Perez. In the Great American region, number one seed, Joe Morgan, facing off against number two seed, Joey Votto in the Palace of the Fans region, number one seed Pete Rose versus number two seed Barry Larkin. So it's all chalk. It's one seeds versus two seeds. Sounds like the committee must have done a good job here. Must have, but I think there's about to be an upset. You think so? 
I think I'm calling it now that Barry Larkin ends up in the Final Four. Oh, we're going to the Final Four. Hey, you know they have a Final Four in basketball, college basketball, too. I've heard. I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're getting to the Final Four here, and, and it has been – I mean, there have been some upsets along the way, mild upsets, but I think the committee did a really good job seeding in a lot of uh, instances. I think it's tough because there's some older players that people don't know that much, but – you know, these, this final eight that we have, Johnny Bench, Veda Pinson, Frank Robinson, Tony Perez, Joe Morgan, Joey Votto, Pete Rose, Barry Larkin, pretty good case to be the top eight players or top eight most valuable players in Reds history, don't you think? I mean, Yeah, I think so. I, I would add maybe Ed Roush, you know, Eric Davis, I think, is in that conversation for the top eight players. There's some other guys, but I like the group that we have here. So let's go, uh, let's go matchup by matchup. You take Larkin over Rose. I think I'm taking Larkin over Rose as well. I, I would take Larkin over Rose on the merits. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, okay, so we're both going with Larkin. Joe Morgan versus Joey Votto. Oh, this is a tough one for you, Jason. If I'm, uh, it's hard. Because <laughs> you, I would you love Votto. you some Joey Votto. I would honestly probably, I would take Votto over any red except for Bench and Morgan, and it would be close with Robinson. It would depend on what day you ask me. Oh, wow. In this matchup, I'm probably taking Joe Morgan as much as it pains me. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts because we're big-time Joey Votto fans. Yeah. But Joe Morgan, man. So I'm probably going Joe Morgan. So that's two votes for Joe Morgan as well. You all vote however you want. We're just telling you where we would go. In the Riverfront region, Frank Robinson versus Tony Perez. I think on the left side of the bracket are a little bit easier matchups. I think we both vote Frank Robinson, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Tony Perez, a great red. Every player on the on the big red machine agrees he was the heart and soul of that team. And so, when you're talking about value, valuable, there's something there to that. Okay, I'm I, I get it. I love me some Tony Perez, Frank Robinson, all the way. And yeah. I think we're going to agree on all of our uh, final four participants here in the Crosley region: Johnny Bench versus Veda Pinson. Yeah, it's not close. No. That's not a criticism of Veda Pinson, right? No, it's Johnny Bench. Yeah, everyone needs to go look at Veda Pinson's career numbers. Because you know what? Actually, you know what everybody actually really needs to do. What's that? Because especially if you haven't for a while, go look at Johnny Bench's career numbers and remember that he was a catcher. No, don't just remember he was a catcher. Remember that he was a revolutionary catcher who was by far the best defensive catcher on the planet. Yeah. And then look at his offensive numbers. Yeah, Yeah, go look at Johnny Bench's offensive numbers while also remembering that he was basically the Aussie Smith of catchers. Yes, yes. He completely revolutionized the position. He was the best by far in baseball. Oh, yeah, he was also a middle-order hitter who was elite. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to open the voting at Sunday night, 8 o'clock p.m., and we'll go for three days. You guys get to pick who the final four participants are in Red Leg Nation Radio Madness. I don't know if any of you all have enjoyed this, but, you know, I've enjoyed it. And that's really all that matters here. We didn't get into too many viewer mail questions. Let me scan down and see if I can oh, get any more. I'm sorry we didn't get to too many of them. Uh, a couple of them here. Matt Sheary asks, who in your opinion is the most underrated player on the Reds? Quickly. Most underrated player on the Reds, Jason. Currently? Currently. Peraza. Jesse Winker. Uh, Matt also asks, also, why did Jason block me on Twitter? Is it because I'm too handsome? 
yes, that's exactly the reason why he told me. Um, let's see here. Uh, R.C. Courtright, does David Bell have an injection clause in his contract that pays him a bonus if he reaches a certain threshold? <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. He has that clause in his contract. He's been ejected a lot. He's fiery. He is fiery. Hooper Powell asks, is it true that the Reds, who are all viewers of the podcast, were boycotting hitting until they brought up some guy named Sinzel? Yes. I think they had some bad juju, as they say. Yeah. But I think that every single Red, actual player for the Reds, who was viewing the podcast, they all boycotted hitting. All of all of that subset of Reds who actually listen to the podcast or view the podcast. Um, Rich Thompson, if the Reds are 500 or better by the trade deadline or in contention for a wild card berth, do you see Dick Williams or in the front office being aggressive and trying to add more pieces to make a push? Or do you see him standing pat and saying this is our team uh, for 2019? Now, that's actually a good question that probably deserves a lot more discussion. If they're 500 or better by the trade deadline, do they go out and make uh, moves to get better to try to get in, in wild card contention quickly? Would you have any thoughts on that? Uh, probably. It depends on what's available. Yeah, it depends on what's available, but I'm not sure they do because I don't think they were ever really all in on this year. And so I'd be surprised yeah. if they shift gears. So, um, Andrew Scott Wills asks, are uh, bad ball and strike calls increasing this season or just more noticeable because of the hitting slump? Um, hash Brown Votto is a better ump than the ump. I love that. Love the hashtag there, Andrew. The, the, the strike zone has been weird this year. Has been, hasn't it? Yeah. So we may have to look into that for a future edition of the podcast, but great questions. You can submit questions every week at uh, red or patreon.com slash red radio, where you can support the podcast. If you want with a few, uh, toss a few dollars our way. If you want, you don't have to, this podcast is going to be free every single week, but there's some things you can get some benefits. If you, uh, Toss in a couple bucks. We're happy to, we, and we always, always appreciate the support, certainly. Um, let's see. A couple guys I got to. Get your support. I'm just befuddled. <laughs> exactly. Can I just give some big, some big time thank yous to a couple guys who've supported uh, recently the podcast on Patreon? Clayton Duncan, my man, thank you so much for uh, supporting us at patreon.com. Really, it, it just it, it blows me away that you're willing to do that. Thomas Dennis as well. Thomas, you're my man. Really appreciate you joining up as one of our patrons at Patreon. Thomas Dennis, he's actually Clayton Duncan and Thomas Dennis. These two guys, I love them, and here's why. They both have two first names. Clayton Duncan, both those can be first yeah, names. I, I was taught to be suspect of people like that. Oh, come on. No, those are my favorite people. Thomas Dennis, that's... Because it's Chadwick Ulysses Dotson, all you've ever really wanted is a real first name. That's true, just, just one. Thomas Dennis has two. And Clayton, yeah, I know. Yeah. And Clayton, Den- Clayton Duncan, actually, both these guys, oh my goodness, my mind's blown. Clayton Duncan, that's two last names as well. And Thomas Dennis, two last names. Two first names. And two last names. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, Clayton Duncan and Thomas Dennis, you are our favorite patrons ever, except for all the rest of you as well. You're tied. So anyway, uh, Jason Linden is at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. We're at Red Leg Radio on Twitter, where we talk about Reds baseball. We're also, uh, you can find us at RedLegNation.com, where we're talking about the Reds and have been every single day since 2005. You can find us uh, at Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. If you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, go leave us a rating or review. Really would appreciate it. Five-star reviews only 
because I'm selfish. I just I just want the good ones. Really appreciate you guys doing that. It does help people find us. Jason, do you have any final thoughts for us? Go Reds. You are my favorite team. Oh, man. That's kind of strange because they're my favorite team, too. Crazy. It's insane. For Jason Linden and Jesse Winker, this is Chad Dawson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.